Welcome back to the Cult House Podcast. I am your host, the scholar of spite and the Saturday Night Delight, Roger Riddell. Joining me today, his name's McDaniels. It's not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's. The burgers are Ronald's. He is the king of devastating mic control, Daryl DMC McDaniels. How are you doing today, Daryl? Very, very good. What's happening? What's good? Not much. Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show. I mean, it's... Uh, Thank you you helped pioneer an entire culture into the mainstream, which is just kind of like, is it mind blowing for you to wrap your head around that? Yes. Yes. Cause uh, it's, yeah, it's um, the word is inconceivable. <laughs> right. It's like, who would, who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, I mean, you were, uh, you know, you basically described yourself before as having just been like a nerdy Catholic school kid who was into comic books and like you became one of the world's biggest rock stars, you know? Right. Yeah. And which is, and it was all make-believe. I guess, I guess the reason why I don't think about it like, like other people, like some people say, I'm going to do this to get rich. I'm going to do this. For me, it wasn't even that. It was like, the music thing was me pretending to be like Melly Mel, OD, and Grandmaster Cass. But it's the same way that I used to pretend that I was Captain America with the garbage can lid. <laughs> or I take my, my father's actual work hammer and I was Thor. Or I put my blanket on my neck and I was Superman and Batman. It was like, it was like hip hop was you know, Cool Herc, Cold Crush, Treacherous Three, Curtis Blow, Love Bug, Starsky, Busy. They really did this. I saw it and I was just pretending. It was make-believe, you know, how you used to make-believe you was Godzilla. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just, yeah. It's crazy how, it's, but now I learned, though, that make-believe is a powerful, real reality. Because look at the word. Oh, you into that make-believe stuff? Yes. Make the world believe it's real and it will manifest. Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that uh, that you can become this thing before you can ever become it. Because you got to right. be able to envision that that end result. Right. right? And, the, and the word pretender, pre means before something happens. Like now I'm really understanding the power of... Um, language and imagination because it's like you know all religions the bible says as a man thinketh so is he what you behold you become it's true all of this comic book stuff is true and, and it's, it's funny how the people that um uh riggs morales who was eminem's a and r over at shady records for the rise of that great empire when he met me we, was, we met on some music stuff. Then we found out that we had comic books in common. But the first things that he said to me was like, yo, DMC, 
you was my superhero, the way you look, the way you sound, your records, like, so I had no idea the, the superheroes I was um, living in, living through in the comic books, I was really one of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Yeah, uh, Riggs was also who uh, helped you out with your comic imprint, right? Yes, he's the reason why I started the comic book. He said, "Do you have to do a comic book?" Yeah, tell me, tell me about how uh, how that all came about and uh, oh. what that process was like. <laughs> uh, just kind of putting together that uh, trilogy of graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to a music meeting up at Atlantic Records. So Riggs is this big executive up in Atlantic Records. So my manager, his brother was shopping an artist. So his brother comes to me and he's like, yo, DMC, I got this artist. I need your help. I need you to get me a meeting up at Atlantic Records. Because if I call, I'm never getting a meeting. But sure, DMC, if you call, they'll give you a meeting next week or, you know, a couple of weeks from the, you know, they'll, give, they'll let you in the building for a meeting. And he said, I know you don't want to do this, but Joe, it's me. So I was like, okay, you know, we grew up together. All right, because I love you, I'll do it. So I call Atlantic. Yo, what's up? This is DMC. Who can I meet with about my artist? DMC? DMC, run DMC? Yeah, who can I meet? Hold on a minute. Is this really DMC? Yeah, it's Daryl McDaniel's DMC. Okay, <laughs> hold on. I guess they went and said, anybody want to meet with DMC? And Rick probably said, oh, me. So they come, you could come up right now. I was like, okay. So I go for the meeting. Like I said, I sit down in Rick's office and he says, yo, I'm usually very professional. I never fan out. I never act like this. But Joe DMC, man, you was like a superhero, man, the way you look. And he, he just told me, and I met Jam Master J one day. He was the nicest guy from me. I was coming from a Miami music conference and I met Jay in the airport and he was the nicest guy ever. And then he just went all in run DMC style. And then he said, what was it? He said, I don't want to interview you. But he said, what was it like when he was a little kid? And I said, um, well, I went to Catholic school my whole life and all I did was read, collect, and draw comic books. And when I said comic books, he said comic books? I was like, yeah, comic books. He was like, me too. So we didn't even speak about hip hop or music. We sat there for three hours and talked about comic books. And at the end of that, he was like, yo, D, you should do a comic book. And I said, nope, not me. You ain't going to have my fellow geeks and nerds mad at me because, yo, we take this, you know, we take our comic book culture seriously. And he said, why you don't want to do it? I said, I don't want people thinking just because I got a hit record, I could do everything. Because, you know, hip hop has a way of, oh, you get a hit record, you do liquor, you do wine and this and that. I'm not into all of that. I like to stay in my lane. And he said, yo, D, that's very honorable of you, but you're not doing this comic book as DMC the rapper. He said, you're doing a comic book as Daryl McDaniels, the kid that loved comic books before this hip hop. And I was like, Wow, I didn't think of it like that. And he said, you know what, you know what? I'm gonna do you a favor. So four years ago, he took me to the New York City Comic Con. And when I went in there, I saw all the comic books that I had as a kid. I saw all the toys that I had as a kid. I saw all the toys, all the TV shows that I used to watch, Star Trek and Space 1999, and the Monsters and the Brady Bunch and the, and um, fret to flip, it was crazy. So I was like, yo, I'm in, I'm in. And then he just said, um, 
if you didn't do music, what you would have been doing? And I was like, I don't know. Like if it wasn't for hip hop, I, I was just a kid going to school. And I said, you know what? If I didn't have a hit record, I probably would have, I, I probably would have became a teacher. He said, that's it. It's the alternate universe. It's Daryl McDaniels, but you don't meet Run. You're not a rapper. You're a teacher who discovers he has superpowers. So four years ago, that's how the DMC universe was born. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I um I learned about you doing the comics uh through a trip that I made to New York Comic Con. Uh, I think it was like three or four years ago because I went there a few years in a row before the pandemic. Right. And yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, I saw that you were just like in Artist Alley, and I was like, man, that's cool. Like you. Yeah, I'm not yeah. famous. I don't want to be in a. <laughs> I don't want to be in a celebrity role. That's that's corny. That's like real. I like to be with the creators and with the people. Because I'm one of them. Why would I be separated from them just because I got a video and I'm on a radio? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, how how important has it been to you throughout your career to um, make sure that you remain grounded that way uh, and that you kind of uh, maintain the the sort of... Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. To, to, to be normal because... See, hip hop is different from all forms or of, of other cultures, and it should have stayed different when it got into um, organized corporate commercial business. Because, you know, when, when hip hop is, I am one of the people that I represent. So even if I become this highly famous, so-called celebrity known person for whatever it is that I do, it's my responsibility because I've been blessed with the, um, I've been blessed with the title to associate my existence with hip hop. Now it's different from entertainment because what happened with hip hop, when it got um, anything that is culturally culturally relevant to a people, place, community, or a nation will be diluted, polluted, and destroyed once it's commercialized. I don't care what it is, because then you got all of these knuckleheads with these rules that you're supposed to follow just to um, um, take advantage of abuse and use for profit. So for me, when I heard, um, when I heard the treacherous three, when I heard the fear, I'm not, I'm talking about before rappers delight, before rap records was made. When I heard the cold crush, uh, when I heard Spoonie G, when I heard Africa Bambana and the Zulu Nation and the Jazzy Five and Red Alert and DJ Jazzy J, even though they were the celebrities of the streets in New York, there was always where they were reachable understandable and approachable, which meant even if they get a billion dollars, they still able to sit there the same way the person who is working a nine to five is, because that's the power. Even when we got, even when you get to the point where you got videos and stuff, but, um, videos and oh, when you get the so-called fame thing, which is a man-made concept, of saying these people are doing better than everybody else. No, that's not true. 
So for me, it's the responsibility that comes with being able to say you're hip hop, to be a DJ or to be an MC or to make records and all of that, which means I am a representative of a community of people. So don't, you know, don't put me here because if you put me there, then you gotta put everybody else there, which a lot of corporate entities are scared of, which means you gotta write more checks to certain things that you gotta do to be part of me. When you get famous, so when you get so-called fame and you sign or affiliate yourself with these organizations outside of hip hop, everything that blessed you to be in that position put for everybody is forgotten about. So me, I'm not the one to forget it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's yeah. it's responsibility. And what I mean by that is a lot of rappers say, um, you know, when it comes to violence and negativity and hip hop that is exploited, reproduced, manufactured and produced over and over. Um, over the years, I would hear rappers say, they don't go after Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis for the violent movies. So if you're gonna use that, if you're if you're gonna use that lame excuse, motherfucker, get out of hip hop and go be an actor. If you want to say that, then go, you can't say that with hip hop because we dictate how you walk, how you talk, what you wear, what you smoke, what you drop. We dictate everything about life and none of the records now are dictating positivity, transformation and live. Everything that is dominant in our hip hop culture is the reason in the music business of hip hop, the dominant concepts, ideas, and images is the very reason why we created hip hop in the first place to go against. But you see us being exploited. You don't hear records by, you don't hear records on a mainstream radio 24 hours a day, like from groups like Public Enemy. Or you don't hear self-destruction and you must learn from um, uh, rappers like Harris One. You're not hearing Brand Newbie and type De La Soul run DMC, LL Cool J made records around praising the women. Now every record on the radio is record, bitch, oh, come on. So what is the little girls that's gonna hear these records? There's no women, there's no fully clothed women calling themselves queen, like Queen Latifah or MCs like MC Light, putting dudes to shame. There's no Moni Loves lyrically slaying everybody, making the dudes write better shit. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, it's like Daryl, who's who was now put to the forefront of this hip hop culture. It's not just about my greatness. It's about the greatness of all of them boys and girls from the streets of every city, which is what uh, Zulu Nation did when they came along. A street gang now turned into an entity that's not going to fight, sell drugs and destroy our cities, we're gonna look inside of ourselves and use our creativity to change the conditions that the politicians and the community leaders can't for the last 300 years. So I gotta be the very thing. I gotta be what people want and I gotta be the actual thing that we said we created this hip hop for because when you get into Hollywood and when you get rich and famous and celebrity, you're supposed to play by their rules. And that's what they're scared of. Hip hop coming in to all of, you know, coming into entertainment, coming into media, coming into education, and coming into um, the political arenas. 
and change everything up. So I gotta be the change that everybody needs now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like your your all's lyrics were always uh, super positive, and they were kind of you were always building each other up in your lyrics. It's right. kind of like a, a, an Ali or like a Ric Flair like wrestling promo almost. Uh, and 100%. Then bragging about I love uh, it. all the stuff that you do. Now, and that's that's true. And you gotta understand, I speak at a lot of high schools and middle schools, and I speak at elementary schools now because I got a children's book. I mean, I'm I'm speaking to kindergarten and fifth graders. Like, yo, what's up, y'all? And they speaking back to me. We have a dialogue and Q&A. But it's, it's funny that you say that. Um, when I first started speaking at high schools about 20 years ago, one kid thought he was smart, was like, yo, DMC, y'all were very materialistic too. And I said, you're right. And I love the young people because they'll call you out in a minute. I said, yeah, but the difference between my young generation and your young generation is all you'll do is tell me about your chain and your car over and over and over. If you look at everybody in my era who made a record that was materialistic, we only made one. We didn't have to repeat repeating. I made one song about Adidas and not only, it wasn't about me having more money than Adidas than y'all. My song about Adidas changed the opportunities for all the people from my community. The first non-athletic entity to receive a major endorsement from a sports apparel company. No curl, no braids, PZ heads still get paid. I am the reason why Yeezys can get made. But y'all dudes, y'all, y'all pumping, y'all talking Gucci and Louis and Prada and Prada over and over and over and over and over. So we could feel and you could feel about good, who, how good you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I remember Killer Mike said, man, when we saw y'all guys, y'all didn't point at your watches. Y'all didn't point at, y'all didn't take pictures in front of your cars. Y'all, y'all pointed at yourselves when y'all took your pictures. Like, I'm the valuable thing. So I was explaining to the kid, you put in your personal value and everybody in this current generation is the money, this makes you something. No, we didn't have to show money. The money's coming because of me. And that's the whole different, you know what I'm saying? But we talked, you know, um, Run said, I got a big long caddy just like a Seville, right? We had all that materialistic stuff, but we only mentioned it once in the news. We didn't have to tell you on every record. And when you saw us, I didn't even care about, when we walked the red carpet at the MTV Awards, none of the, um, none of the, um, media would say, DMC, where'd you get your change from? DMC, who styled you? DMC, what's your driving? They never asked it that. They would say, why are you young people? Why are you young people writing the songs that you're writing and uh, making the music that you're making? For us, it was always about our art. You, when you sat down with Eric B and Rakim with the Dapper Dan suits and the big ass chains and they had Rolls Royces, Go back and look at Rock Him's history. Nobody never sat there and said, Rock Him. Um, who's your stylist? Where'd you get your diamonds from? Um, how many roles would they up to Rock Him? Why are you saying that? Because we are the value. You know what I'm saying? So we always knew that's the way we got to keep. That's how I impressed the 16 year old kid. I'm 18 too. And now it's a, it's the, it's, there's, not, there's no such thing as a um, generation gap, it's an information gap. When I was 16 years old and my brother and my cousins who were 18 were in the room with me, I was in the room with 18 year old people who was gonna show me something of maturity. 
So if I'm hanging around them at 16, seeing their maturity, when I'm 18, I'm highly evolved. So now I'm on a microphone spitting 18-year-old stuff at 17 and 17 and youngest hearing me. So if it's a nine-year-old boy or girl hearing DMC and run say all that stuff at nine, by the time they 16, they highly evolved. See, hip-hop used to do this. Now it's just doing this. Everybody's doing it. But we ain't growing. Bank accounts is growing, but communities ain't no more. We ain't put education, positivity. You know, look, look at Juice World, Mac Miller, all of these people dying. This generation ain't constantly, every record coming out should be addressing Mac Miller, Juice World dying. Because that's how we did it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't just make records and then go back to the normal thing. We kept going, don't shoot. Yes, we shoot, I'm in jail, you don't have to be there. We kept that going on. So that's what made us powerful. I was just telling this kid, yo, don't, don't, um, don't look at me at 40 because I changed the world when I was 18. I changed the world in, um, before some of your favorite rappers even reached their 20s. Yeah, they rich and famous, but what are they changing for y'all? We changed hip, we, when UFC came along and you ain't got a rap, you ain't got to know nothing. You could be something. Everybody from Wall Street to um, corporate America to movies, film, playwrights. I'm talking about Asians, Black people, Puerto Ricans, Latino people, Jewish people. Yo, because of y'all, I'm something. You know what I'm saying? So that's why hip hop is just doing this now. It's everywhere in the world, but it's not doing this. We ain't taking over fashion no more. We just participating and wearing other people's clothes. Well, what is it doing for the individual in the clothes? And, that, and that's what the record companies don't understand about hip hop. Because they're making all this money off it, but their sons and daughters don't got to, when the show is over, they go to Hollywood. They go to those mansions. They go to those offices, everybody in that audience go back to the nine to five life. So it's our duty to represent the thing that could change it. Take your piano lessons. You could play at Carnegie Hall, take ballet. All you dudes put on a tutu, take ballet. Cause then you could, um, you could go dance with um, Missy. You know what I'm saying? The number yeah. one black band arena in New York city. We don't see those possibilities anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, ultimately the difference between allowing yourself to be the vehicle to promote products versus recognizing that you are what's valuable in the equation. I mean, like exactly. the first rhyme is basically about going to St. John's University. Right, exactly. And my ideas. Yeah. <laughs> walk, through con walk through concert doors and roam all over Coliseum floors of, um, um, of the street from the streets of the universe on the steps of a famous university we took the beat from the street and put it on tv that's yeah i'm from the corner but look where i went from the corner and i left the doors open for y'all to follow so it, it's, it's just all about that, that, that the learning the learning process that comes with the experience you know what i'm saying i'm dmc in a place to be i go to since, since kindergarten so I say that rhyme so I can let people know it's a journey. Didn't happen overnight. When kindergarten now made it to college, now I got the opportunity to come out here and get on this mic. I can do everything that I did from kindergarten 
Everything I did in school from kindergarten to um, 12th grade, I can now do in the world. You know what I'm saying? And that's a little, we, Randy MC, we never said you're wrong for being in the gang or selling drugs. We ain't even paid on you like that. We just showed you the other possibilities. And you figured it out yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've heard you mention before that like the, uh, the difference between uh, like y'all weren't gangster rap, but like the difference between like old school gangster rap and like modern gangster is that old school gangster was, uh, you know, I did this, but you shouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, and that, that's what the gangsters in our neighborhood, the real gangsters don't say come join the gang. The real, I'm talking about the real gangsters. The guys that kill, murder, no, they don't just kill and, you know what I'm saying? The gangsters nowadays pull out a gun and shoot, they shoot everybody except the target. Hitting little kids, hitting innocent, innocent bystanders. That shows that they don't have no skill or presence. But the real gangsters, I'm talking about the, the ones that knew they could never turn around. If they saw you, yo, yo little man, get off the corner. Yo, young girl, you shouldn't be up here. If they saw you had a smidgen of skill, talent, hope, and smarts to get off that corner, they didn't encourage you, yo, don't do that. It was like, yo, yo, D, man, you don't need to be up here. That's what the gangsters told me. The pimps, all of that. Now, yo, young buck, you, your man, you got a great opportunity. Now you hear this music, you hear our and you see all our videos, they promoting it. And it, with the young people, it's a self-esteem issue. They think if I'm not that, I'm not down. I, I remember one time I went for a movie audition and the lady didn't know. She heard of Run DMC, but she didn't know Run DMC. So she just knew Run DMC is a rap group but she was acquainting it with the concept of what a rapper is today. Tattoos, a bunch of jewelry, and a, a big entourage smoking weed and drinking. So I walked in there, I ain't got no jewelry on, I ain't even got a watch on. You know, I don't need a watch, it's time everywhere. It's time on my phone. So I sit down and she says to me, oh, so you're the rapper DMC, where's your entourage? And where's your gold chains? And then the, the young girl, the assistant at the, the agent meeting, was trying to, was embarrassed. I said, no, 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 here's an opportunity for me to educate somebody and explain to you, I've been in the music business 37 years old. I never been to jail, this and that. So she kind of like, like what? And then she heard the Walk This Way record and she went, that's what Errol's like, it was the craziest thing ever. So every opportunity that I get to show Every opportunity that I, that I get to remove the stereotypical uh, labels that's put on young people, you know what I'm saying? Like with the comic books, if I'm the greatest rapper in hip hop, whether you believe it or not, because all my inspiration comes from comic books. Son of Odin, son of Bifrit. Thor's the son of Odin. Daryl's the son of Bifrit. Thor is from Asgard. He got a father named Odin. Odin a brother named Loki, and he got a hammer. I'm Daryl. I got a father named Bifred. Um, I got a brother named Al, and um, I got a microphone. So I am the son of Bifred, brother of Al. Banners my mother and runs my pal. It's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's. Those burgers are Ronald's. I ran down my family tree, my mother, my father, my brother, and me. I always put real shit in front of your face. Yeah. And people go, no, that's so crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's all, it's all about presence, presentation, and representation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
which has a more powerful effect for somebody listening. Because now that little kid, you know, that lives in Baton Rouge might be thinking, man, the only way out for me is to play basketball or be a rapper. Now he's like, yo, I like to draw. You mean I can draw cartoons and get millions? Yes, you can. That's what we need to be teaching these kids. Now, what is your talent? Do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and you mentioned uh, Walk This Way with Aerosmith. And I know that um, on uh, your mom's house a couple years ago, you told the story about how y'all had like no idea. You didn't, you weren't familiar with like the band at all. You just knew that song is like number four on Toys in the Attic. It was a breakbeat. Yeah. And it, but that like broke down the doors for so much stuff that happened afterwards, like Public Enemy and Anthrax bring the noise. I see yeah. collaborating with like Motorhead and Slayer and then doing. Yeah, not out. just, not, no, not just hip hop. What Run DMC did literally changed music, talking about the way rock was perceived. Um, Some 41. In 1985, this crazy story, some 41, um, this, they, they performed at the Alternative Music Awards in um, the Alternative Music Awards in Cleveland. This was 2000 something, it was like 2000, like 2016, something like that. So it was some 41's first show back in the continental United States. Because remember, Derek went through his, um, you know, uh, substance abuse problems and all of that. And Sum 41 was coming back to play America from Canada for the first time in like 10 years. So they asked him, yo, who do y'all want to collaborate with at this show? And he said, yo, we want to collaborate with DMC. And I was like, what? So I'm like, cool, I'm down because I love playing with live bands. So usually, I don't care what band it is or what event it is, most people want to do... Um, tricky or walk this way because that's you know those two <laughs> songs are they'll be around forever but um some 41 said nah man we want to do king of rock with you and i was like whoa okay whoa yeah i'm gonna kill you there let's dun, dun, yo let's do that and i said why you want to do that so derek and i'm said yo when we were little kids growing up in canada 1985 we saw the run dmc king of rock video that video is the reason why we started a band Travis Barker, he comes up to me and says, yo, most people jump on the bandwagon with Walk This Way, but I was there since Rockbox. I heard Rockbox and knew I could be a rock star. Corn, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machines, Cypress Hill, list goes on and on, all influenced by what Run DMC was doing. Not that saying that because of us, they were doing it already. We let them know you could do it. He was the permission to do it. But uh, I'm just saying, a lot of bands that we influenced didn't rap. They just rocked, which is, is crazy for me. But Walk This Way was the game changer because it broke down the walls of separation. Um, you know, when Steven Tyler took the mic stand and knocked down a wall in the video, that didn't just happen in the video, it happened in the world. And it changed the whole dynamic of, you know, music globally. I mean, I've been to... South Sudan, Africa, I've been to Moscow, I've been to play the Ukraine. So shout out to Russia, because there's good people in Russia, not knucklehead ass Putin, played Moscow, sold out Red Square, outside concert, like it was like 80,000 people, Naughty by Nature shirts, Public Enemy shirts, Beastie Boys shirts, Run DMC, this is Russia. Yeah. Then in uh, 1990, uh, uh, when Down With The King was out, it was like 95, 96, 
We went to Ukraine and played Ukraine. So we played globally and everybody say, yo, what y'all did and walk this way when that wall came down, brought white people and black people together, hip hop and rock and roll together, the opportunity for music not to be labeled. You know what I'm saying? Gave black people the confidence to wear their Ozzy Osbourne shirt and gave the white people coffee. I'm rocking Grandmaster Flash and I'm going to a metal show. So it broke down all the walls of misconceptions, which is what art is supposed to do. Yeah, because there's so much in common between uh, both hip hop and like rock metal culture. Yeah, too. Like I, sure. when I was in grad school, I was talking to my friend Maxell, who's like a big uh, hip hop head and like I'm a right. big metal head. Right. And it's like both cultures are really focused on like authenticity and like being real, being true to yourself and uh, are very quick to kind of shun anything that they think isn't in line with uh, with that. And so yeah, we don't uh, like the fakeness. We don't like the fakeness. But the the idea and um, the idea of entity of fakeness has been allowed to run rampant in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, and a, a, a lot of people, the older people that say, um, yo, I don't know about this new music. I don't know about this new generation. I must be getting old. No, it's not that you're getting old. We were highly, we were highly advanced young, young individuals and our art showed that. You know what I'm saying? When I was writing rhymes in 16, 17, I wasn't trying to impress my friends. I wanted the educators and the adults and lawmakers to look at my little ass and say, young man, this is phenomenal. You know, I didn't care about my friends being impressed. And I didn't care if they didn't like me because I had Mo D and Melly Mel and Kaz to listen to. So my world was perfect. But I knew I had a responsibility to represent what Mel and Kaz and Flash and Theodore and DJ Charlie Chase created for me. So I'm going I'm to I'm keep that alive in this form so that we all can be elevated and not forgotten. Because forgotten. It's, it's almost like it's almost like they'll forget about you when you're more valuable than everything in existence. And the, the powers to be that know that, they will try to make you irrelevant when you're actually better than everything that's existing in a current generation. And we supposed to exi- exist simultaneously. Like when you do metal, these, the metal band that's headline new, they're not going to go on stage after Lemmy. They're going to be like, yo, yo, we know it's our time. No, we'll go on. We want Motorhead to close tonight. Because for them, there's nothing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, metal and the, the similarities is metal and hip hop, we don't like bullshit. Yeah. But the business will allow <laughs> a lot of bullshit to be front and center. Yeah. And um, you're still, uh, you know, pioneering mixing genres uh, today. Uh, through the dynamic musical collaborations and DMC and the Hellraisers. Uh, tell me about those projects, because I know that you just put out a video uh, a few months back for uh, Ghetto Metal. Oh, yeah, Ghetto Metal. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. So everything that I just said, I could say it all day. And I've been saying it. I've been in music for 38 years. So I put Ghetto Metal out to show people what, what it is I'm, or I've been talking about. So it started with Rockbox, 1984. We did Rockbox. Just me and one rapping over rock that got us on MTV. That's 84. 1985, we did the King of Rock, which was us getting denied entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And here's what's crazy. We got inducted in 2009, and I did not notice. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame didn't start till 86. 
So when we did that video, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wasn't even in existence. So they said, gee, this was prophetic. Y'all prophesied about the thing people would get mad at having y'all inducted in, and it didn't exist. But eventually we got in. And then in 86, we did Walk This Way and whatever, whatever. But the whole rock rap thing didn't start with Run DMC. If you would have came to New York City in the, in the early 70s, to from like 70 to 79, before Rapper's Delight was a record, and you went to the Bronx, or you went to Harlem, or you went to New York City, and you saw a block party, or you went to um, a Cool Herc show, or you went to a Grandmaster Flash, or a Grand Wizard Theater, or an Fantastic Five show, or you went to any DJ, um, DS, DST, if you went to a, a DJ Hollywood in the crates of records that all of these DJ had, the vinyl records, was James Brown break beats, funk breaks beats. When the world got tired of disco and do disco out, we took those beats. Those things are worth a whole lot because disco always had breaks where you can rhyme. But in those crates were rock records. Aerosmith, Queen, Rolling Stones, Sharon, um, um, Rush, um, um, Johnny Cash, so many rock beats. Um, um, later on in the 80s, metal, um, Metallica, all of these records, you listen to a BC album, Led Zeppelin, when the levee breaks, boosh, gash, boosh, goosh, gash, goosh. So before Run DMC was doing it on MTV and on record, you come to New York City, we throwing on, I just knew the album with the toys on it, number four. Cause that beat and that guitar is funky. Yo, I can freestyle over that. So rock has always been a big part of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Run DMC was just a representation of everything that was already happening. So when I did Ghetto Metal, which is out now for everybody listening and hear and share with your friends, because it's one of the best records of the year. And for what it is, I mean, I'm not talking this because it's me. What it is, records like this that are still this dynamic, this good sounding, and this unifying, these should be performances on the Grammys and American Music Awards. I understand showing Drake and everybody now, but if DMC is still, you see, they still invite Paul McCartney. They still invite all of the Stevie Wonder to play. Why we ain't getting invited? You know what I'm saying? So I said, let me do something about that. Let me make a record now and then show, you see, it sounds like a Van Halen record that I used to sample. Like I wanted it to sound like the rock record I used to actually rap over before I started making rock, box, and king of rock. So the tribute is not a DMC record because of rock, box, and king of rock. The tribute is to all the vinyl records that made a DJ in, in hip hop possible so that an MC, not a rapper, could say his rap. So Ghetto Metal is the reason why we did what we did that led to PE and Anthrax coming together. These things are always in existence for people overlooking. So, you know, I want to come do Ghetto Metal at the Grammys this year. Don't give me an award. Let me just come rock that shit out because I guarantee you young and old will be happy because people think, oh, it's the 70s rock sound and it's the 80s old school. But the 70s rock sound and the 80s old school is eternal. That thing will always be new. You know what I'm saying? The thing yeah. that makes it new is it's not trap. It's not current. It's not EDM. It's not that. It's that thing that everybody loves from five. I got five-year-old kids that love it. And I got people that's 90 that love it. That's what it's about. So I did ghetto metal. Black people, white people, ghetto metal, guitars and shit together. 
<laughs> yeah yeah i mean like to your point too like no one ever looks at the beatles and says like that's you know that 60s rock sound no um, it's just the like beatles. The beatles, you're the beatles of hip-hop yes it, right, right so now i'm at a point in my life you want to start treating me and playing me like paul mccartney yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> that, and i'm serious yes yes y'all yeah put me on a show put me on every festival i gotta me and my band we do run dmc songs we do them live I know you want to see Sucker MCs with a drum and a guitar playing as a riff. It's the most unifying, but it's not even about generations and, and, and um, time. It's about creativity. It's the funnest thing ever. So I did get on metal to show why I, I was able to do what I did in the music. It was because of Van Halen. It was because of Rush. It was because of the Beatles and Stones and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned earlier uh, your children's book, Daryl's Dream. Mm -hmm. How did that come together and uh, what led you to uh, pursue that? That wasn't even in the plan. That man, hold up, how do I do this? You can still hear me, right? Yeah, yeah, I can still hear you. Oh yeah, let's still record. My son's not in the room. He's my tech guy. Always, sometimes <laughs> I'll be there and the sound go out. Um, that wasn't even in the plan, Roger. What happened with that is when I'm not on the road or when I'm not, when I'm not touring, when I'm not performing, when I'm not at a comic con, 95% of what I do is I go to schools and speak. I go to high schools and I go to middle schools. So for like the past 15 years, I was just visiting schools, just talking about hip hop, what I did with Run DMC and uh, my mental health and personal issues. So I've been doing that, I've been doing that. I went to the high schools, they say, yo, you gotta take this to the middle schools. So for the last couple of years, I was going to the middle schools and all of the educators was like, yo, D. I was like, I know I gotta go speak at the elementary schools. And the same way I'm speaking to you is how I speak to these kindergarten and fifth graders. I don't go in there and go, hi kids. I'm the first, I treat them like people. I go in and say, yo, what's up, yo? My name is Dow McDaniels. I grew up in Hollis, Queens, New York. I wrote comic books. I was born, I go from the day I was born till now. And then I sit there and do Q&A with them. I mean, kindergarten kids. And it resonates with them. And they get a chance to express themselves. Because, you know, usually in class, it's so busy, you know, staying within the rules. I let them, you can breathe, ask whatever you want. And they got the greatest questions. So what happened after visits to three, after visits to three elementary schools, the teachers was like, yo, you need to write a book. And once again, when I could come up, I was like, nope, nope. I don't want to commercialize the goodness that I'm doing or profit off. They said, D, no, the reason why you're doing a book is you can reach so many kids without having to be there. But not saying when the book comes out, you got to visit the kids that you send to school to the, like the whole thing. So the book came about when the parents, the teachers and the parents, because the parents would call after my visit and go, can I speak to the principal? What the hell is going on with the, in the school? And the, the principal like, what, what, what? My daughter said DMC came to school and spoke. And was like, yeah, yeah, he was in last week. What did he say to my son or daughter? I don't even know who this kid is. He's being polite now. She's doing her homework. Like it was just a whole attitude changing the kids. So the teacher said, you need a book so that you can share that with everybody. Because I did the book for two reasons. I want the kids to see that they're okay just the way they are especially in this age of social media and bullying. No, you're perfect to just your freckles, your funny hair, you know what I'm saying? The way your ears are shaped, whatever it is about you that they're teasing you about, that's your superpower. 
And they go, well, you know, how can you say that? Well, I was a kid. I got teased, bullied, and picked on because I wore glasses. I got teased, bullied, and picked on because I loved comic books. I got teased, bullied, and picked on because I went to Catholic school. I got teased, bullied, and picked on when I was around all the black, black people. And I was the only light-skinned kid there. I got teased, bullied, and picked on because of my differences. But when I, you're hearing my records now, everything I got teased, bullied, and picked on, I robbed about on a record to the point so powerful about my glasses that people that don't even need glasses want to wear glasses now. So the book wasn't in the plan. It came for necessity to help assist um, parents and um, teachers. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, that's that's important to have that message out there to kids um, Mm. because so much of um, just like learning to, to socialize throughout school uh, oh, it's the hard. It's even yeah. harder now. It's yeah. even harder now, you know. Because look, when we was growing up, peer pressure and bullies was always there, but we didn't have social media. So it's like I said earlier, Roger. It's more of a self-esteem issue with these kids. They're looking at social media and seeing, oh, if I'm not that, I'm worthless, which is not true. You ain't even gotta be. You ain't even gotta be what these rappers like. All you see um, on social media is the athletes and the entertainers. The same way we always see in Rihanna and Kanye and LeBron and Antonio Brown, like all we see is athletes and entertainers. The same way that we do on that, we need to start promoting more black and female scientists and absolutely. That's the thing that made hip hop so popular. Like, even if you can't rap DJ Breakdance to do graffiti, hip hop will make you. I want to be a journalist. I want to be a play. I want to be a director. Like, hip hop created, I mean, I travel the world. Hip hop itself created so many careers. But now in social media, man, if I'm not popular, if I'm not as popular as Kanye West, I'm nobody. And that's what they think. So it's up to Kanye and us to say, no, no, what do you like to do? I would take tap dance lessons. We were, you could be the next Sammy Davis Jr. You could be the next Dean Martin. It's like there's so many places that my culture is stuck in right now. It's just clothing and weed and liquor and rapping. And it, it hurts me to see that because we're so much bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The possibilities are endless. So I did the book to let the kids know dreams do come true. Look at me. I was pretending to be the king of rock, and you know? it came true. I got records with Joan Jett. I got records with Sammy Hager. May 31st, I'm dropping a song called She Gets Me High, which is a Ram Jam Black Betty remix. Travis Barker on drums, Mick Mars from Motley Crue on guitar, Sebastian Bach on vocals, and Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses on bass, and DMC on a microphone. It's gonna be the funnest thing ever. Dreams do come true. So I did Daryl's dream because Daryl's dream isn't just his dream, it's everybody's dream. And what's crazy, Roger, is um, every time I do a news morning show, every time I do a podcast, every time I do an interview for the book, adults go, yo, this is the most inspiring thing ever, D. I'm gonna read, grown-ups say, I'm gonna read your book every day before I leave the door to go to work. Because it's letting you see the possibility of your dream. Run DMC, even I was explaining to people last, last week, even though you saw how dynamic me, Run and Jay were, when you saw Run DMC, you saw dynamic and power, but you didn't see celebrity. 
we saw something that you could relate to. I, man, that guy Jay is so fly, I could relate. He's like my uncle. Man, that guy Run, man, he's just like my brother who never shuts up. You know, Run swag. Man, and I like the quiet guy with the glasses, man, because he don't say nothing. But when he get on that stage, so we, when you saw Run DMC, you saw yourself, which is very important. So I say, if you listen to my first rhyme, and I remember Nas, Coogee Rap, Bumpy Knuckles, and Ice-T, and Wycliffe telling me, I'm not, like, when we started out with this, I said, it's inconceivable. Nas, Coogee Rap, Bumpy Knuckles, Ice-T, and Wycliffe telling me how dope I am. It, it, like, that was hard to get from them. And it was like, nah, dude, with some of your rhymes, man, this and that. So I just always wanted to make those rhymes that would make, oh, yo, the seed of possibility, like when Eminem inducted us into the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. And I got to tell kids, yeah, Eminem's great, but he inducted me into the rock. Really? Now these kids that love Eminem, they hate Run DMC, now they want to be my friend. And I said, Eminem did my rock and roll induction. Well, really? I said, go look at him on YouTube. And, and this is in school. I'll make them go look at it. And then they'll come back to me. Now they want to be my friend. It's all about being in that position. You know what I'm saying? Um, the respect that I get from others becomes a responsibility that I must live up to. So like the reason why I bring that up, I got to work with all these people and it's crazy, even from a hip hop tip um, on the same record that's getting ready to come out as a song produced by Bumpy Knuckles. He's mostly known for slaying your, don't put Bump on a record with your favorite rapper because he'll put him to shame. But Bump is also a great producer because he worked with some of the best in the game. Like he worked with DJ Premier and Gangstar. He worked with the Digging in the Crates crew. Like Bump is the top 10 lyricists, definitely. But he's also a great producer. So Bump, he gets around me and his imagination starts bugging out. Bump created a record. He produced a record called Me and My Microphone featuring, check this out, Chuck D, a public enemy, DMC for Run DMC, Ice-T, and DJ Jazzy Jeff. On the not just pushing a button, Jazzy Jeff performing throughout the record. So just for me to be around all of these great people, you know what I'm saying? You know my by my, my the way I carry myself has to be at a high level. Because I'm with Sammy Hager tomorrow and Ice T the next day and Chuck the next day and Bump the next, like all across the board. So that's the thing where I want to show these kids. Even if you don't rap, even if you don't play basketball, you can still have a career in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these kids think if I'm not Denzel Washington, no, you can still have a career in Hollywood. There's the people that write the scripts. There's the people that produce the movies. There's the direct the movies. There's the people that um got to work the camera. You know what I'm saying? So I want to show everybody the possibilities and the opportunities. Yeah. And uh, a few years ago, uh, you mentioned your personal struggles as well. Uh, you released a memoir uh, called 10 Ways Not to Commit Suicide. Uh, yeah. It's about the uh, depression that you went through. Yeah, I was um, going to kill myself. Yeah. Alcoholic suicide, a metaphysical spiritual wreck. Now, all of those, now across the board, everything that anybody went through, low self-esteem, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, substance abuse, all of that. I had them all. But the thing that helped me is when I went to, well, 
the thing that helped me was when I went to rehab to stop drinking. That was the first step. That was a very important step. But when I went to rehab, I discovered therapy, which allowed me to just talk about what I was feeling. And to anybody out there listening, therapy is good because you can talk about being fucked up and don't feel ashamed or guilty about it. I'm not feeling good today. You know, I can't, if it's 100 degrees outside, I can't tell you don't feel hot, but I could bring you inside, give you some air conditioner and a cold drink. If it's 10 below zero outside and you're standing out there with no coat on, I can't say don't feel cold. So you can't tell nobody you shouldn't feel depressed. You shouldn't feel unhappy. You shouldn't feel suicidal because that's the way they feel. When you allow them to talk about how they feel, you can find the who, what, where, when, and how that's making them feel like not living that way. Like when even, even in my book, being okay to talk about how you feel is good. I tell little kids, grownups are afraid. Grownups are scared. Grownups are confused. Grownups are anxious. Grownups go through everything that y'all go through. So when a little kid says, I hate school. No, he hates something that's going on at school. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to live no more because my friend. Oh, no, I got to make these kids understand. Yo, your friend is the one with the problem. You busy following him or her and they got a problem. That's why you feel that way. Because they're not talking about what they're going through. So my thing is with the mental health issue, we can get rid of stigma by the greatest rapper ever in the history of hip hop, whether you believe it or not. Here's two of my greatest rhymes. If you remove guilt and shame, you remove the pain. Let me say that again. If you remove guilt and shame, I'm, I'm an anorexic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a sex addict, I'm a gay. Don't feel guilty or ashamed about it because we all got something. Everybody's messed up. It's a lot of people don't admit it. So when you say it, it makes you feel like you're a weirdo. So when I started, when I went to what I went to, I thought I was the only one in the world. I found out there's a trillion people in the world suffering what me and my fellow sufferers out there are suffering. So I want to give the person going to something, no matter how bad it is, to understand I'm right there with you too. You know what I'm saying? So remove guilt and shame and remove the pain. The other rhyme is, if you don't admit how you feel, whether good or bad, you never heal. If you don't admit how you feel, I'm fucked up, I'm suicidal. If you don't admit how you feel, whether good or bad, you never heal. By saying I'm suicidal, I'm anxious, I'm angry. That's the healing process. Because we celebrate people that say, I feel like a million bucks today. I love him or her. I feel like I can take on the world. I am Mr. Confident today. But we should celebrate when somebody says, I'm not feeling myself today. Yes, thank you for it. Because that's power. Especially with dudes. Especially with black dudes. Especially with black, look. Especially with dudes. Especially with black dudes. Especially with black dudes in hip hop. I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. When you admit that you're weak, scared, afraid, confused, and vulnerable, it's the most powerful thing you do. But the world perceives that as something that's not good. So I realized I was always rapping about how good it was for me. Christmas time in Hollis, Queens, mom's cooking chicken, and people love me. DMC, I had all of this enthusiasm. I found out I'm a million times more powerful as DMC, the mighty king of rock, who walked this way in his Adidas with Aerosmith for running Jay to tell the world how tricky it is in life. I realize, I realize I'm 10 times, a million times more powerful when I admit I messed up. 
because now somebody listening, seeing, or just in the room now realizes they ain't alone. You know what I'm saying? So it's important for, so the long story short, I would talk about what I was going through and somebody said, D, I was like, I know I got to write a book. Somebody might need to read this. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's nothing that's special about me. I'm going through the same thing that the, the CEO, from the CEOs of the world to the, to the um, bus driver. Man, woman, and let's not forget, look at all the young kids killing themselves. I, I, I got to go talk to middle school kids. And I sit there and we just talk about our emotions. Oh, because my mother did this to me, my brother did this. I said, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be, really? Because they want to ask, they want to ask, they ask, people are asking for permission to be what they feel without feeling ashamed, weirdo, or psycho. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, all right, that's another reason I'm the mighty king of rock. That's like, you know, I'm a superhero. That's another villain for me to conquer. And you gotta understand, look at Anthony Bourdain. A couple of weeks ago, the, the former Miss Universe of Miss America that jumped out the window. I was this, so um, one of my new records is coming out. I got a rap where I say, I'm sick and tired of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris, and Kurt. Chester from Lincoln Park, what did he do? Chris Cornell, what did he do? Kurt Corbain, what did he do? I'm sick and tired of the pain and the hurt. I do this for Chester, Chris, and Kurt. Death is appealing, so with death I flirt <clears throat> because I tell the world how I feel and they say I'm a jerk. I'm not bugging. I'm struggling. All this guzzling and drinking is puzzling. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop hanging with Jack and Jim so I can fight in this battle to prove not for me, to show you that we all can win. I'm going to stop hanging with Jack Daniels. I'm going to stop hanging with Jim, Jim Beam. Johnny Walker, we can't go on the walks no more. Something I had to do, smash them bottles and say, I don't need you no more not just for me, so I can show that person struggling with anorexia, gambling, sex addiction, meth addicts, coke addicts, and alcoholics, and weed heads. I'm living proof, not just that hip hop is great. I'm living proof that you could beat and defeat whatever it is that you're going through. And I'll go to your city, I'll go to your school, I'll go on TV, I went on TV with Dr. Oz, and I keep it real. I ain't going from psychology books or the Bible or any religious books. I'm going from what the person, he or she, young or old, is going through. And they go, whoa, you can do that? Yes, you can. Look at me. Even if I got a bit, I'm fucked up every day for the rest of the day of my life in therapy. By the time you live up, I just want people to live. You know what I'm saying? People give up. My thing is, go to if you got to go to therapy every day for the rest of your life till you're 110 years old, it's a victory because you lived a full life. Some people like me, I wear contacts. I didn't give up just because my eyesight ain't 2020. Some people have physical deformities. We can have emotional and mental deformities too. You know what I'm saying? That person that went to war, that person that was born that way, they didn't give up just because they got to be in a wheelchair. So why should we give up just because we need a crutch or a wheelchair for our mental? So I got to get people to look at it in a different way. And a lot of my stuff 
my therapist told me was therapy. Here's the mind blowing thing going back to the make believe and pretend. She, um, my therapist, she's told me that um, most of my powerful records started with I am. I'm DMC in the place that regardless of what I was going through, it was me telling y'all in the plug, oh, I'm the king of rap. I'm the microphone master. I'm the devastator. My controller DMC. And can't nobody mess around with me. I'm the king of rock rap and of rock. So in the midst of what, um, down with the king, walking. It's tricky to rock around. In the midst of me going through my troubles, I was still able to be who I am. I'm just a guy with struggles. Like, I can't look at you any different if you got a cold. I can't look at you any different. If, you're, if your back hurts, you going to the doctor. If you get a toothache, where are you going? The dentist. So if you get a mind ache or a mind problem, go see somebody that deals with the mind. And it's yeah. all good. Yeah, I mean, to uh, to your earlier point, uh, is a really good one that like, um, as men, like we're told early on, you know. Man up. Don't, yeah, don't cry, man up, suck it up, you know. Yeah. When you're supposed to cry, the reason why you feel like crying is because you're supposed to. Yeah. Nobody never told us that the men that can cry because it's supposed you have emotions there, your emotions. I'm talking about I go into juvenile detention centers and group homes. And I gotta sit there with boys and girls who just the reason why they're fighting, cutting themselves, or abusing the drugs is because there's something emotionally and mentally going on with them. And I sit there with dudes and I go, yo, you can cry. And they look around like, yo, DMC, you could cry. And I'm like, yeah, and they'll start crying. And I'll be like, how do you feel? Y'all feel so good. And then I make them realize this feeling might come back tomorrow. But live through it. You know that you got it. Don't let it have you. And forget about the knuckleheads. If, if, they, if your friend's going to say, oh, he cries all the time, get a shirt. No, get a, a When you get famous, get a diamond gold chain bigger than Diddy's that says, I cry all the time. I'm a man. What? <laughs> and that'll shut everything down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the uh, the upsides of the pandemic was that uh, uh, I, on my end of things, like I know that the, a lot of people had a lot of different, you know, struggles through the pandemic, but they um, were multiplied. Yeah, people were and, struggling everywhere. It was a wake up call for a million people. Oh, you think you're all right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I I was I had the the luck to be in a situation where uh, I could look at like free time that I had because of everything that was going on and eventually say, all right, let's use this time to like figure out what's going on and become better. My first three days was crazy. The first three days of the pandemic, anxious. It's over. I'm going to perform like every, because my whole job is with people. So my first three days, but then I realized I can still write rhymes just to write them. I'm not going to write a rhyme for a record. That's going to, I can write a rhyme because I want to write a rhyme. And that, oh, that felt good. One kid called me, yo, DMC, man, I'm going crazy because he was used to routine. And routine is good for your mental. But when something breaks up your routine, start another one. So this kid's calling me, I'm used to school, practice, coach, film room, this and that. What do I do? And I hit him with just the easiest thing in the world. What did you do before you played high school basketball? Yeah, we would go to the park. Here's your answer, huh? Wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and do like Kobe. Go play in the park, even if it's by yourself, from 6 to 12 every day and watch what's happening to. At the end of the day, when everything does come back, when you do go get to back, go back to practice, you'll be better than when you left. 
And then he said this to me, you can do that? Because <laughs> he's thinking, because I'm on, you know, I'm in college now and I'm playing for Syracuse and this and that. I can't go back. No, well, what did you do before you did what you did, was doing? You know what I'm saying? For pick up the guitar and just play it. Can't go to the studio, no, play. It'll give you that feeling that you get when you're up on stage in front of people. So, and if that don't work, try something new. I, I, I would probably tell them, why don't you try crocheting or something? Because <laughs> you think, oh man, my whole thing is shook. This is a beautiful world out there. Like I'm waiting for the metaverse to hit and everybody going in and having their avatars be them. Be them. That's when people should go outside. It's going to be less people out there. The earth is going to be greener. Because when the pandemic happened, everything got green and pollution went down. The ozone, the, the ozone layer filled back in. Now it's on its way to go back out. So now this metaverse thing is coming, which is cool. The metaverse is cool. But I'm not going to be in my house 365 days a year on this metaverse thing. I'm going to put something in the metaverse and I'm going outside. My concerts ain't going to be in the metaverse. Somebody called me. I said, no, I'll probably use it for a video too. Dude, you, we, we, we'll come to your avatar from now on. You, you don't have to. I want to go to Kansas City. I want to go to Kansas City. I want to go to Wichita. I want to go to Louisville. I want to go to London. So when it's metaverse stuff, everybody's going to go in there and play. I'm going to set up a lemonade stand outside and a stage and rock metal and hip hop heads can come play outside and then we can go back home and go to sleep. So what I'm trying to say is there's always an opportunity to take advantage of the very thing that'll get you to something even bigger in the midst of the adversities. But, but for, I gotta admit the first three days I was shook. I can't run no more because my whole career is evil. No more Comic Cons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that disruption is like especially hard for people like us who have like OCD, you know? Yes. I'm all, yeah. Yeah, when I went to rehab, I'm OCD and I was diagnosed with suppressed emotions. That's why I was drinking. I go crazy. If this is not on a dresser pointing like that, if you come move it like that, I lose it. Give me a drink. But then the D said, no, just put it back. <laughs> yeah, no, I do the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got to be. It's all about order and control. But what I'm trying to say is your OCD might not never go away. Take that control and put it into the very unknown. Yeah. Because you have it for a reason. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the Hulk, he got this curse, but he can do good. Every superhero has this. Um, I'm watching. Um, they had to, we had to stop watching. It was family movie day. So we're watching the new Spider-Man and Aunt May just died. Damn, I hope I ain't give it away. Oh, no, I've seen it a few times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I've been, I've been on the road so much, so I'm watching it now. But remember, she told him before she died the same line that was in the other Spider-Man. With great, um, um, with a gift comes great responsibility. So let's not look at, at your affliction as a curse. You know what I'm saying? Okay, this feeling that I got is going to make me go drink. But what if I did that with the same, because it's all the same feeling. And I have one lady, she told me, there's no such thing as unhappiness. I was like, what do you mean people get sad? She said, yeah, people get sad. But she hit me with this. Sadness is just a low level of happiness. 
a little bit. Because people want you to be here, but you ain't going to be here all the time. You know what I'm saying? Don't you get sleepy? If you eat, I'm hungry. When you eat, what happens? Your hunger goes away. So your OCD, you have it. The OCD makes me smoke meth. That OCD, okay, if you're going to smoke the meth, I'm going to try to get you to paint. It's because harmful behaviors in our communities, metal, showbiz, athletics. I mean, look at the businessman. He's a billionaire and he committed suicide. Yeah. So it shows you it doesn't discriminate. The, the richest person in the world killed himself. So obviously the money don't make you happy, but whatever it is that was making them happy, that unhappiness energy, they should have got away from the money before a minute, got away from the board meetings. You Sometimes you have to get selfish and, and say, honey, because a lot of times you say in situations to please others. That's why you kind of messed up anyway. You worried about how people think. You gotta be like, I gotta go away for two years. I gotta go to the Shaolin Temple. Why, honey, the kids? Your kids, I love you. But if daddy doesn't do this, daddy might not be here. Y'all would rather have me away for two, three years to get myself so I could be here forever than stay here and in the second year kill myself. Because the thing that you're carrying is gonna make you do something. You gotta do something with it. Which is what I talk about in my book, in ways not to commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the the um, kind of fascinating things to me, uh, just based on like our, our um, interest in comic books, mm-hmm. is that you growing up in New York, uh, mm-hmm. being a Marvel fan, you had that world right outside your window. Uh, and New like, York City. Yeah, and like comparatively, uh, that that whole thing is fascinating to me because for me, like growing up in Kentucky, uh, as like a kid who was like sleeping on a sofa in like a single wide trailer, I'm just like, yeah, New York City is like fairy tale land to me, you know, up until right. like I was in my twenties. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, Stan Lee was brilliant to do that, and you see, DC created Gotham and Metropolis, so it could be like New York City. Yeah. But the, 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 the beautiful thing about what Stan Lee was doing was every time I opened up a Marvel comic, I got a geography lesson about the place I lived in. So it was serving two purposes at the time. I learned about the Lower East Side, the LES. I learned about Harlem. I learned about 42nd Street. I learned about Manhattan. I learned about where did, where did Spider-Man live? Queens. Queens. Where does DMC live? Queens. So it was all literally relevant to me. And the reason why you like comic books, or I, I speak about this all the time at the um, comic cons. You think the thing that you like, Powerpuff Girls, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, uh, Warcraft, um, Harry Potter. We think that those things were made for us. They're here because of you, because you exist. That has to exist. And I say that at Comic-Cons and they go, whoa. If you wasn't here, that wouldn't exist. They didn't make this and you became a fan of it. It exists because of you. And they go, whoa, I never thought about it like that. So no matter how messed up your home life is, no matter how messed up your knucklehead friends is, so what the girl of your dreams don't like you, you can go home and read Harry Potter, motherfucker. Nirvana. Yeah. So when, when I said, and, 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 we are products of pop culture. 
So the thing that you're attracted to is the thing that you invented with your existence and your thought and your energy. The per, you know, Stan Lee had to exist because Daryl was coming. You know, think about multiverses. Yeah. We'll be no hip hop, but I, I love rock first. Rock prepared me for hip hop. So when I started doing hip hop, I put rock in it and changed the world. That's why in, in the, the superheroes, I was attracted to Tony Stark's, Reed Richards, Professor X, Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker. The only time I saw smart, awkward, educated people with problems that were badass was in the comic books. So I pretended and became with my imagination actually what I was actually already like. Yeah. So, I mean, similarly to that, I was like, you know, in the Peter Parker, Wolverine, uh, Ben Grimm and Bruce Wayne. Ben Grimm. Yeah. We did a we did a uh, we did a one-off issue for Guardians of um Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh we teamed Ben Grimm in group. This came out um maybe three years ago. Uh, ben Grimm and group went on a mission and crash landed in the Lower East Side and had to fight Plant Man. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go dig that one up. Yeah, yeah. It's the Guardians of um, Guardians of Infinity issue that we did. It was about three. You could you could punch it. Um, Grimm and group Guardians of Infinity. Yeah, it's, it's the coolest adventure ever. Yeah. yeah I but I mean, that. you know, that was, that's, that. everything that is, is because you're here. And without you, that's why you can't commit suicide. Because then Star Wars won't be fun without you being one of the fans with me. Like I had people with that and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, one of the things that, that you and I also uh, briefly talked about it uh, when we met at South by a few weeks ago. Uh, it was pro wrestling and uh, I think it was like 22 years ago now y'all got to do the uh, the theme song for uh, DX like what was that like amazing but see running Jay wasn't wrestling fans yeah before that 1980 we did Wrestlemania 5 we performed at Wrestlemania 5 when we did DX but that's because I'm a wrestling fan so every time a, a wrestling opportunity came up, they knew he was a wrestling fan. You know, running them just wanted to participate and stuff like that. But see, that goes to show you the one thing that you are that is your um, that you're fanatical about is connected to so many other things. I mean, because look, if I wasn't DMC of Run DMC, and if I wasn't the King of Rock. I probably would have been a wrestler if I wasn't a TV, if I wasn't a teacher, if I didn't become a teacher like I did in the comic books in the alternate universe. My other alternate universe, DMC, is definitely a wrestler because I'm um, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ric Flair, the Attitude Era. That, that's all me. Yeah. That's all me. So I've, I've been read, but see, it goes deeper than that. When I was young kid, it was a uh, Bruno Sammartino, superstar Billy Graham, Ivan Putsky. See, I know, I know my stuff. Yeah. Did you Ivan have to go to Cola, the garden back in the day? No, it was all in those, remember those wrestling magazines, those ancient yeah. ones? There was like 50 wrestling, I, I collected them all along with my comic books. 
So for me, it was wrestling magazines, comic books, and kung fu movies like the Wu-Tang. But I'm a huge wrestling fan. But I didn't participate on the DX record. I wasn't at those recording sessions because I I was off somewhere thinking of killing myself. Yeah. That's why I'm not on the record. If you listen to the record, I don't rhyme on the record. Ren and Jay had to go do it because they wanted the money, of course. And I got my share, but it was like, he's crazy right now, but we're still going to go do this for him. Yeah, because I know I um I went back and watched that like a week ago, and I was like, I don't know if I see D in this uh, in this video. No, I was in my depression oh. at the time. Yeah, my depression started '93. Yeah, how long did and it did it take you to to navigate all of that? Because I know that part nine of that, years. Yeah, and now now don't it's not a cure. I'm still dealing with it every day. Yeah. But I'm dealing it with a, in a way letting people know it's not like you're healed. I get sad still. I get confused. I get anxiety. I get um, um, afraid. But I just don't go drink. So it's not. It's the cure is I don't do the harmful behaviors anymore. But you still gotta. You still gonna have the emotions. But now you understand. I don't got to go jump off the bridge because of this. You know what I'm saying? So when, when I was going through that, I don't want to rhyme. Hip-hop sucks. Rock sucks. Everything sucks. And what manifests um, internally in your mind, in your heart, manifests physically. So in 1993, when we put out Down With The King, one of our biggest records ever, that shut everybody up in the industry that Run DMC was old and over. We, so Pete Rock produced down. Thank you, Pete Rock. Pete Rock saved Run DMC career like Run DMC saved Aerosmith's career. Thank you, Pete Rock. I had to say, it's funny, the same thing we did for Aerosmith, the reason why it happened is because it was going to happen to me a couple of years later. But um, the 93 went down with the King and the Down with the King video came out. The very next day, I woke up suicidal and completely lost my voice, which was another reason why I wanted to kill myself, because now I can't do what I was put here to do. So, God, I'm killing myself. But then I learned that even without a voice, it's still necessary for me to be here. So I wasn't on from, if you look at the whole Crown Royal out, I'm not on none of those records. Those are old vocals that Jamie and Ron went back to find to make me part of it. And even if I did have the voice, I wouldn't have came to the studio anyway, because I was trying to figure out why I want to kill myself. What the hell is going on? But the reason why we did wrestling is because of me. I'd have probably been the wrestler. Just like the ultimate warrior, I would have been the devastating bike controller. <laughs> and my act, I would have came out and bust rhymes and bust ass. It would have been crazy. Yeah, I started I started working out because of um the ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah, uh, I started working out uh because of um because oh. of wrestling really because when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to be a pro wrestler and everyone used to tell me all the time at the time that like oh you're too small you're too yeah, small you'll never be yeah. able to get that big, and right. then uh, I got to where uh, once I became an adult and. Uh, I like understood that, oh, I can just like go to the gym and get big if I want to. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I just like went out of my way to go do that just so I could prove to myself that I could have done that. Yeah, um, that's yep, exactly. It was yeah. an inspiration. Um, ravishing Rick Rude and then Hulk Hogan for the for the Pythons. Yeah. And then I wanted to be as acrobatic as uh, um, Randy Savage. Those are like my three guys. But early on in my career was Bruno Sammartino and superstar Billy Graham. Because Billy Graham was like ripped. Yeah, my Bruno three guys a, are- uh... Bruno, Bruno was a brute. And I love Mil Mascaris. Mil Mascaris yeah. with the mask back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, he was like one of the uh, the pioneering like luchadors in the US. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my three guys were always uh, Savage, Bret Hart, and Steve Austin. Stone Cold is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I um, I know we've uh, we've been talking for uh, for a while now. I don't want to mm-hmm. take up too much of your time, uh, but before we go, I'll come uh, back on though. I'm gonna come back on when when the Black Betty record drop. We gotta come back on it. Are you gonna be blown? Yeah. When Black Betty and me myself and my microphone drop, you're gonna love it. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll link up for that. The one yep. other thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh, was the Felix organization because I know that uh, oh, yes. that's your charity, and yep. um, uh, you were adopted uh, when mm-hmm. you were like a month old, and you didn't find out yep. you were like thirty five. Exactly, it was exactly like our superheroes that we love. Yeah, it was like Clark, sit down. Oh, we need to tell you something. You're not really from here. You're one of us, and we love you, but you're not really from here. Huh? What do you mean, Mom? That happened to me. And that's what Riggs told me after we started on the comic books. Then he found that out about me because I didn't talk about that in the meeting. He was like, yo, D, man, you really on some superhero shit. And I was like, what? He said, most superheroes are adopted. I have a parent, you know, Peter Parker was raised by Aunt May. Batman lost his parents. Uh, Superman, you know, it's crazy. But um, when I was 35 years old, in the midst of my depression, I find out that I'm adopted. Like, you can't write this stuff. You know what I'm saying? He's depressed. He's going to kill himself. Finds out he's adopted. Then after that, Jim Master Jay gets shot and killed. So I imagine what my world was like. But I was 35 years old when I found out that I was adopted. Thought I was all alone until somebody who didn't know what to do for me. But they was just like, there's somebody I think that you should meet. So he introduced me to a lady named Sheila Jaffe, one of the hugest casting directors in Hollywood. Uh, If you want to know what she does, Sopranos, Entourage. Mark Warburg, John Travolta, enough said. So she knew she was adopted since she was 14. But her depression came about when she was doing a search for her birth parents. It kept hitting dead ends. She was looking for her birth parents and it wasn't going good. I just found out at 35. So this friend just said, yo, she get together. And it worked. So we got together. We, we, we decided to take our coincidences and put a purpose to it. So uh, 15 years ago, uh, FelixOrganization.org, uh, 15 years ago, we started the Felix Organization Camp Felix, which is a sleepaway camp for six weeks. It costs $500 to send one kid to camp for a week. So FelixOrganization.org, and it's a life-changing experience because, you know, you know, we foster kids and orphans, especially in these um. In these big cities, sometimes they don't leave the block. All they know is concrete. So we show them nature and the world outside of their hood. But while they're there, instead of waiting till they're 18 or 21 years old to age out of the foster care system, uh, I think you're seven years old. Kids get seven to 17, six to 17. 
can come and can't feel it. While they're there, we ask, what is it that you want to be? I want to be a photographer. So while they're there at camp for that week, they'll get photography lessons. I want to be a dancer. They'll get dance lessons. I want to be a DJ. I'll bring Jam Master Jason, TJ Mizell in and teach kids DJing. So whatever it is the kids want to be for that week while at the camp, we give them the hands-on experience of that. So we started it 15 years ago, and it was actually um, it was actually to do the camp was um, was the idea of um, our oh, hold on hold on what's this oh um, what it was actually the idea of um, a famous person a smart guy um, Michael Lang the founder of Woodstock was like the father of Felix. He was like, hey guys, why don't you do a camp? And they say, he passed away last year of cancer, but he was the guy that said, yo, let's bring these kids all together so that number one, they can see other kids like them. Number two, give them a, you know, when, when you go to sleep away camp, you hate the first day you're there, but then when your parents come to get you, you don't want to leave. So you give them a life-changing experience and you start nurturing who they are as a young person so that you can manifest that dream in their lives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, can't feel like start. Oh, I mean, if the kids want to be an artist, we give them art lessons, whatever it is that if they want to act. We bring actors that act, they get acting lessons. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's so easy for, uh, for kids in the system to just fall through the cracks. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we, 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 we just want to take up the slack. There's a million great stories to foster care. Let me say that, a million, a billion of them. But there's also a billion bad stories of foster care. So we thought we could do something that will actually have an effect of taking away some of those bad situations because they shouldn't exist in the first place. Yeah. And um, that, you know, that's what we'd be doing so that we can... All of those little kids, Roger, the next great me and yous. So let's give them that opportunity now so that they say, wow, I can really do this. And uh, thanks again for uh, for taking your time uh, today to to do this, uh, to do the show. Uh, oh, no problem. I, really I, 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 love, yeah. I love the name of your show, too. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. I, I, uh, I wanted to, you know, just kind of uh, focus on talking to people who've got like cult following. So it's uh, right, exactly. trying to like plug into that, you know? Well, I love it because a cult doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's what I tell people all the time. Yeah, like, it's, exactly. It's the bad ones you hear about all the time, but there's, right. there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of good things out there that have cult followings that oh, have for brought sure. a lot of light and joy to people's lives. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, we'll do this again sometime. And, and I'll be back, uh, what is it? Uh, my, the song comes out May 31st. So I'll see you in what, April, in two months. Okay, yeah, I'll, uh, mid-May, I'm moving to Chicago, but uh, we'll link up sometime when after you, that. Yeah, when you get established, hit me up. All right. So I know where you're at, and you'll know where I'm at. Yeah. All right, everybody. Everybody out there, go listen to Ghetto Metal. It's out now on YouTube. And then you could also listen to... The title song from the album, All These Singles is going on, is called America. It's also on every um, streaming platform. It doesn't have a video, but it's the title song, America, from the vinyl LP America that'll have 
the Black Betty song with the Sammy Hager, the Joan Jett, and the Chuck D, Ice-T, DMC, Jazzy Jeff record. So America, uh, Ghetto Metal, song and video, and I'll see y'all all in two months.